When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Allison. And I'm Taylor. And we're the hosts of the Anxiety Chicks podcast, where we dive deep into the reality of anxiety, nutrition, and mental health. Listen as we explore all things anxiety healing while keeping it real, including our own struggles with mental health. We'll bring our expertise as healing professionals to the conversation while discussing the tools and strategies you need to heal the anxious mind. Listen to the Anxiety Chicks on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Anxiety Chicks podcast. I'm Allison Sepanera. And I'm Taylor. And we're so excited to be back here today. First week of April. So excited. It is like 80 degrees in Philadelphia right now. Now it's like 75, but I love the summer. My mood completely changes when it starts getting nice out. So I'm actually in a really good mood today. Um, How are you? I'm still dealing with my freaking teeth stuff. So getting by. (laughs) Did I even (laughs) let you say I'm Taylor? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I'm like a brain I'm like, did I even let her introduce herself? What am I doing? I'm sorry. Um, How's the weather there? It's back and forth. Like today is kind of chilly. Oh, really? What's oh, we chilly? Had like a 90. What's chilly 90 for degree. Texas? Okay. Uh, right now, 55. Okay. That's pretty chilly for Texas, I would say. But okay. like it was 90 degrees like four days ago. Like what? Oh, gosh. No. Yeah. Help me. Kind of weird. Um, are you someone that likes the summer, like the warmer? I, I like like 78, 80. When oh it, God. Yeah. In Texas, it gets to a hundred plus in the summer. So it's kind of miserable. Oh so yeah, yeah. That's I like, a, I like a good amount of heat. Not, not Texas heat. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm the same way though. I think 78 to 80 degrees is probably the perfect temperature. Um, Even 90. I mean, sure. But like anything above that, I'm miserable. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Well, I, I think that's why I love the spring. And so being outside, everyone knows I'm obsessed with just nature and being outside. So right now, it's been really nice, um, except for my allergies. It's been just like bad. Same. But, like, I started the- sneezing right when we started talking before this podcast. And I was like, geez, this would hit right now. And oh then my, my nose gosh. started running. And I was like, oh, come on. But it went away. So that's allergies for you. Well, the worst is where I live. The... Um, like there's maintenance people working. I live in a, a apartment building. And so there's maintenance people and it's beautiful grounds, but there's maintenance people working all the time in the spring to get the you know flowers ready and all this yeah. stuff. So all of the grass they're cutting and everything I'm walking towards it. Oh my gosh. Oh. I have like sneeze attacks. Um, 
but I just like run through it. And then I'm like, okay, I'm better. I love this song. (laughs) Hi, everyone. We are here to answer your questions today. Um, You know, it's the first week of the month. So we do our Q&As. We got some really good questions. I did want to say thank you to everyone who's been leaving us comments and just on our Instagram page about just our, our content and um, we'd love for you to leave us a uh, review and rate us on iTunes or Spotify if you're listening and you really enjoy this because it really gets our um, just so it gets our podcast out to different people who may not have heard it yet. Um, I've actually been getting some really great DMs from people who are just finding us, which I love. And that's because of all of you and for the people that have been rating and reviewing us. So thank you so much. And please keep keep at it. Um I would have loved, I w- one is trying to reach 700 reviews by the end of this week. <laughs> Such a, that was a big, big goal. I don't think that that's possible. We did get a couple, but um, I don't know. I just am, I just want to kind of push our, our name forward. Cause I feel like there's so many people that could really benefit from some of the topics we've had and some of the guests we've had. So I'd love if you could do that for us. Um, but of course we're still here. We're going to still be answering your questions. We got some really good ones. Uh, Taylor, do you want to go first? Well, as I'm sitting here drinking my coffee, I'd like to answer this first one. Okay. It says, uh, do you drink coffee? And the answer is yes now, but not when my anxiety was really out of control and not when my nervous system felt out of whack. So I think the best thing to know is like how you wake up and feel each day. If you wake up and you feel already anxious, anxiety, stressed out, if you're waking up and you're feeling that way, I don't think it's an appropriate time to be putting caffeine into your system and just causing, just wrecking havoc on your system, you know? So for me, it was like, yeah, I did cut it out while I was really, really struggling. And that was what needed to do what I needed to do. And a lot of people are like, Oh, but coffee is like the one joy in my life. Like it's my morning ritual. And, and I, I get it. I get it. You don't have to, you don't have to cut it out completely. And it's not forever. I don't believe it has to be forever. I believe when you can get control and then finding the amount that's appropriate for you and like the drinks that are appropriate for you. So like, don't go get like a double shot of espresso your first time back to caffeine. Like I do an iced coffee, which is like very diluted and it's just the perfect amount. I have found the perfect amount for me. I never feel jittery. I never feel like my heart races. It's just like the perfect amount. And I think that's like how you should approach things rather than just like, I have to cut out coffee forever. My life's over. <laughs> I love that answer, actually. Everything in moderation, you know? Yeah. Um, but I will say for me, I actually did cut cut out caffeine. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't drank coffee in probably 11 years. Um, wow. Just, just kidding. I'm sorry. I have drank it, but I drank decaf. And decaf mm-hmm. even has a little bit of caffeine in it. Um, cause I really actually love the taste of coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, I had one of the worst panic attacks ever after I drank a Starbucks coffee and I never really drank yeah. Starbucks before. And I remember I was going out with one of my girlfriends and I had, I had gotten a small one. Um, just cause I was like, and this is about 11 years ago. This is honestly the night that I stopped drinking caffeine and coffee. Um, I got to the restaurant and I literally, I had a full blown, I didn't know what was going on. I was my stomach was hurting. I had walked there. I lived in the city at the time and I'd walked there. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I like, I'm going to need to get like an Uber back or get an Uber back, all this stuff. And I literally barely made it home. And I just was in the, on the toilet 
for hours and my stomach was in knots. I was having a horrible panic attack. I remember calling my mom and just saying, like getting her to help me through this. I didn't know what was going on. My, my heart was beating so fast. My heart felt like my lungs, I don't know, my lungs, anything, my chest felt tight. Everything felt tight. It took so long for me to regulate myself again. Of course, I'm not going to say it was just the coffee that did that to me because there's so many different triggers for anxiety. And I'm sure just thinking about the coffee and thinking about my anxiety made all my symptoms worse. But after that, I started researching about caffeine and just coffee and recognizing a lot of the research that has shown the connection between caffeine and symptoms of anxiety and, and different physical symptoms you can have that really mimic panic along with caffeine, I was like, bye-bye. And I decided <laughs> not to drink it again. So I haven't really. I drink tea. I love tea. Now, tea still does have some caffeine in yeah. it, um, but I drink herbal teas only. I don't really drink any teas that have caffeine in it. Um, and I love, I love tea now. Um, it was hard in the beginning because a lot of people get dependent on, on coffee because of the caffeine. It's a very, very real experience, like withdrawal from caffeine and from mm -hmm. coffee. Um, but I made it through it and there will be maybe, maybe a couple days a year where, where I will go into Wawa, which is our like local convenience store and they have the best like hazelnut coffee. And so I'll get all decaf and then just a really little bit of hazelnut in there, but it's not strong at all. And I'm usually okay with that, but um, it also messes with my sleep so much. And that's just my own physio physiological, you know, makeup of my body. Mm -hmm. um, I can't like caffeine just messes with my sleep so much. So it's been so helpful to actually cut it out for me. But I will say if you're someone that can have it in moderation, totally, totally do that. But if you feel yeah. like you're dependent on it, then that's not a healthy sign. So yeah, it's all case by case, but yeah, I'm actually, uh, it, it, no. it's funny how like everybody's so different. It, I, I sleep great. It doesn't affect me. Yep. It's, it's interesting. And then like, it's okay. But back in the day, I, when I, my anxiety was really bad, I was drinking like those espresso drinks from Starbucks. I will say Starbucks is like, you should just probably not. No, like, it's, it's they're very it's strong. Very high. Very caffeinated. strong. Yeah. So yeah. I think I found like an iced coffee. If you look up like the caffeine intake of it, it's like, it's super low. So like, if you want to like start with something yeah, and I think just like test it out. And you know, if you feel like Allison and especially with IBS, definitely avoid like oh my any gosh. acidic coffees. Yes. I mean, it's just not a good idea. And reflux. Um, no. Yeah. If you have reflux or no. IBS, anything acidic is not going to be good for you. Uh but I think it's just a case by case thing. And I don't think it should be like a, a thing that causes you just severe depression that like, you're, cause I've, I've received messages not. that no, I've received messages that are like, I just like my dad drank coffee. And like when he died, it was the one thing I remember us drinking coffee together. And I love having like a cup of coffee Aww. at a place that we used to drink at. And now I feel like I can't do that anymore. It just feels like anxiety stole my life. And I'm just like, whoa, 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 back down. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's, down. that's less about the coffee and more about the memory and the trauma. Yeah, of and like happened, the ritual. You know? and, yeah. yeah. Right. 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 Um, but that's my, my dad's kind of like that too. Like his dad always drank coffee. And so like, Sometimes in the morning, he'll just like sit in his spot and like think about his dad or something as he drinks his cup of coffee. And it's funny how we relate old people to cups of coffee, but. Oh, I know. Yeah. I know. 
That's so funny. So I don't have like a, a answer for you people individually. It's just going to be about what works for you. Yeah. And, and I, and I think that if you're curious about it, there's, there's really good research on it. And, yeah. um, and, and lots of different information you can find. And I would just make sure you just are in tune with your body and what it needs, but case by case, that's what I would say. All right. My turn. Your turn. Okay. I got a question that says, I really like this. When you feel, okay. When you feel really alone, but not confident to ask for help, what should you do? So this was me and it still is sometimes um, asking for help. Oh my gosh. I don't know why. I mean, I do now. I've been in so much, done so much work on myself, but for so much of my life, I just did not ask for help. I just did not do it. I was like, I hand, I got this. I can handle this on my own. I think, you know, there was part of the dynamic of how I grew up that, you know, you kind of kind of deal with your feelings in a certain way and, you know, you don't need to like share them with everybody all the time. And now as a sensitive empath, <laughs> that was very hard for me as a child, but I um figured out later in life that you know that's just part of my my genetic makeup is that i like to share my feelings and it's good for me to share my feelings and ask for help and kind of whenever i'm emotionally feeling like that um but it wasn't even just emotional help like even even asking for help as i got older with putting together furniture or or moving things or with my luggage or you know it's funny i would be on certain i would i would with certain boyfriends and you know they would want to you know help me with things and, oh bless you <laughs> um and I remember certain boyfriends wanting to help me with things. And I'm like, oh, no, I got it. You know, oh, do you want me to hang this picture? Do you want me to do this? No, I got it. And then it would like fall on me. I don't know. There was just something just about asking for help that I guess made me feel like a weak person or something. Um, like, oh, no, I got this. Like, I'm so independent. I totally got this. And I figured out that asking for help is actually something that really connects you like so intimately to somebody else, you know, whether it's a friendship or not even someone you know that closely, but being able to offer help, but also receive it is just something that really connects you to people. And so, and it also makes you kind of vulnerable, right? And vulnerability is such a superpower. I used to think it was like such a horrible thing that I was vulnerable when I was younger because I was so sensitive and, oh my gosh, you know, why are you, why are you doing this? Why are you talking about this again? But as I worked through all of, you know, my traumas and worked through the different parts of my life where I have had anxiety, really bad anxiety, I realized that I actually needed help and I couldn't do things by myself and that's okay. And, and not in the sense that I was like, oh my gosh, I'm dependent on this to make me better, but that there were parts of my life where I really needed my support system and that was okay. Um, so I think that there's just a stigma around that a lot still where, you know, asking for help like makes you weak or something. I don't know if you found that, but 
I, I definitely feel like I'm still struggling with vulnerability, but I definitely am able to ask for help more often now and feel okay with saying, hey, I think I just need some support right now. Can you help me? And I also have the language to say it now. I feel like I didn't know how to ask for help in the past. So if you're struggling with learning how to ask for help, maybe, um, you know, you can work on that with with a professional or someone and just learn the language of how to say, hey, you know, I'm just I'm going through something right now. Can can you help me with this or what? I don't know. Um, did you ever struggle with that? Uh, I don't know. It's weird because I never really asked anybody for help except for like a therapist my family and then my my boy my boyfriend my husband who was my boyfriend at the time but uh, i think another I answer would be like i'm so thankful for online online communities and support i think that's something that really helped me is when i was i just because i wasn't reaching out to all these other people mm -hmm. uh, i would find these like forums or communities and i really enjoyed that because it's almost like anonymous but you also feel like not alone. Yeah, that's such a good idea. Such a good idea. Yeah, there's so many different communities that can make you feel less alone these days um, where you can actually get a lot of, of support um, on Instagram or on Facebook from other people that might be going through what you're going through. And, you know, some of those people have been actually in some of the groups that I've been in on Facebook and also some of the people I've connected with on Instagram, even other other professionals and other healers um, I've connected and they've become my support systems. Some yeah. of them. I mean, you become a support system. You don't even live yeah. in my state. <laughs> I mean, you we've know, never even met. We've never even I've never even felt like you hug a hug from you. Yeah, and I, yeah. I always think about that. I can't wait to like hug you at some point. Um, but you're such a huge support system for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. So so I, I really I really like that answer. But yeah. OK. All right. Next question. Let's see here. Um, da, 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 da. Oh, Nope, not that one. Okay, where am I at? Okay, how to deal with intense fear of doctor's appointments while also having health anxiety. So we're going to talk about this a bit, but we also did an episode on this. So episode 28, if you want more in-depth answer. But for me, it's like, what helps me go to the doctors and like keep up to date with my doctor's appointments is I have created this thing in my mind that the more I go, the less shocked I'm going to be. So if I'm up to date with my appointments, it's not like I have this like year of like, oh my gosh, I wonder what happened during that year. I think to me, that's more anxiety provoking because it's like, okay, I haven't been in a year. But if you're consistently going, it's almost like exposure therapy. Totally. Like, okay, that's hey, what I was going to say. I was here three months ago or six months ago. What could really happen in three to six months? Remember what she said last time? I'm I'm making a good connection with her. And I think that's another thing is finding a doctor you feel like you really connect with and that has good reviews. You know someone who goes to them. They make you feel seen. Because uh, if you have a bad doctor's experience, you're like scared to go to them. That adds another layer of fear. So... I think it's about finding a good doctor that you feel comfortable with that is conservative with what you want. And then regularly going to your appointments lowers that fear because you're like, hey, I was just here and I'm going to be okay. I, I I love that. I mean, I think that keeping up to date with things is always so important because it's very like preventative, you know? Yeah. Um, I know that's really hard for some people though, because some people listening might 
have not been to a doctor in a long time. <laughs> so yeah, that, it's almost like, first, the, yeah, yeah. Like the longer it gets, then it gets, yeah. oh my gosh. But um, that's kind of like just pulling the bandaid. 100%. That first one is going to be, it's, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's not going to be like, you're going to walk in and feel comfortable. You're going to pull off a, you're going to ripping off a bandaid. But once you make it through, I tell my mom this because she's that person who like avoids the doctor because she's like, I'm doing all the right things. And like, it's that fear of like, I haven't been in a long time. And I told my mom, I'm like, but okay, think about how you'll feel once you go get that mammogram and they say you're okay, you already have this thought in your mind that that mammogram is going to show something bad. You're already slightly convinced of that. So if you go and you get it done and they say, hey, you have nothing, what a relief. I mean, or or if you go and maybe you don't get the best news, but at least you know that you're going to get some help now. Yeah. You're going to get treated. Yeah. Like you're going to get treatment instead of waiting how much longer where it could maybe not be treated. Like that's how I see it too. I'm like, if they say I have stage one, let's go. That's what I mean. Like every time I go, I'm like, well, at least I'm going and now it will be better than me going five years from now where it'd be worse. Yes. So, so, but definitely, you know, we've talked about this, listen to episode 28 because we talk about a lot of fears that we have and that a lot of people we know have of going to the doctors and what you can do to kind of move past that. And it is sort of like exposure. And then also um, there's some good insight about finding the right doctor for you. Um, You know, we've had a lot of amazing integrative doctors as guests on our podcast. So definitely go back and check out those episodes as well as um, they give some advice on how you can look for a doctor that you really feel safe with. And so that can be a game changer if you feel safe enough with your doctor too. But I like that. Okay. You good? Um, Yep. Do you have any other? Okay. 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 Scared about relapsing with anxiety. Any tips? Oh my gosh. Okay. So I, I'm going to bring up another episode that we did too, because I feel like that's, I'm going to, I'll do the, um, you know, sh- summary of that episode, but I can't remember exactly what the number is, but we did an episode all about how to create a healing toolkit for yourself um, and how to move through your healing journey and what it looks like to heal. So Go check that out. Taylor, maybe you can get the number of that episode while I answer this question. Healing um, journey? Yeah, it's it's the episode about um, the anxiety toolkit. Like okay. creating an anxiety healing toolkit. Creating an effective anxiety healing toolkit. Episode 82. Thank you. Okay, episode 82. Go back and listen to that. Um, and also, also think about there's also another episode. Don't you need, don't need to go look for it. But there's another episode called "Healing Is Not Linear" that I did by myself um, because that was going to be my first response to this question: was that healing is not linear. So when you think about relapsing, I'm doing air quotes. The way I think about relapsing is just the days that I have that I know my anxiety levels are very, very high, and I sort of feel the way that I had felt years ago. Um, and that's happened, that happens to me. And I, I honestly, everybody I work with in my practice, they have days like that as well. Um, and this is my experience. 
to it. Um, it might not be everybody's. I know, Taylor, you have had panic disorder, so you haven't had a panic attack in so long. And that's amazing. And that's what recovery looks like for you. Um, so maybe like a relapse for you would be like, oh, if I had a panic attack again, right? Um, but my point of saying that is like, it could happen. You could have a panic attack again, right? Like you're not cured of that. Um, so I think being able to recognize what tools that you have when you know that you're getting to a certain level of your anxiety is really going to help continuously regulate your nervous system. A lot of the tools in the episode we just mentioned, they have their strategies about how to regulate um, your nervous system and activate your parasympathetic nervous system, which is the rest and digest part of your body and your brain. That's going to help keep you regulated. But just know that healing is not linear. So if you feel like there's some type of relapse happening for you, you know that you've gotten through it in the past. You will get through it again. You have to allow yourself to sit with what's happening and know that you're okay. And that if it's, if there's physical symptoms going on, what kind of tools do you have in your toolkit that can help regulate your body? Um, who's in your support system that you feel safe with that you can go to? Um, what kinds of, like for me, I know that meditating and going outside and moving my body and and listening to certain podcasts like this. Um, I have things that really help regulate me when I know I'm getting to a level where it's getting higher and higher. I also acknowledge that I don't really call it a relapse. So maybe, maybe think about the language you use. Um, I continuously am healing. That's how I, that's how I talk to myself. Um, some days are harder than others, but some days just require more healing. I don't necessarily say to myself that I'm relapsing. So I don't use that language. And so I would just be careful about maybe using that language, be a little bit kinder to yourself, give yourself some grace and just let yourself know that you'll get through it and that you've done it before and that you'll be okay. And when in doubt, always get help from a professional. I mean, cognitive behavioral therapy is what I specialize in. That's what works for me. I love it. It's something that helps. It's not for everybody, but find a specialist that really you connect with. That's what I would say. Anything I love that. I, no, I, I love what you said at the end. I There's some words I don't allow into my mind or my mouth. Um, so like even like saying like, well, uh, I, I could have a panic attack one day. I, I say I'm not going to have a panic attack one day. And I think you're setting the standard of intention and preventing and not allowing even the thought or the mind to even go to a place that looks like that. And I think words are so powerful. Yeah. And I think that you're right. It's not a relapse. Even if even if something were to happen to me, it's a it's a speed bump, but it's not a relapse. Right. I'm not going backwards. It's just going to yeah. take me a little bit of time to go over this little hump, but I'm still going forward. Yeah. See, when that's you go so over speed bumps. You're still going forward. Yes. Yes, I love I love that analogy. And that's so interesting to hear your your, the language you use, because in my mind, the language I use when it comes to my healing is like, well, okay, it, it probably will happen again, but like, here's how I know I'll get through it. So you, in your mind, you are very clear with, no, it's not going to like, that's yeah. what works for you. 
Nope, yeah. this is it. And every day you wake up like, nope, that's good. That's what works for you. The language for me is more like, okay, I can envision this and, and I want to envision this so I know how to be prepared if it happens again and what I can yeah. do. Um, but both those ways of talking to ourselves are not mean. Like we're not being mean oh. to ourselves. I feel like some of the language is, you can – I feel like I've been mean to myself sometimes where it's like, oh my gosh, great. You're anxious again. Like what's wrong with you? Yeah. You know, like, oh great, you're relapsing. You just failed again. You were doing so well. Now you suck. Like those are the things that used to go through in my mind and sometimes they still do. And I just call it that my anxiety bully and I talk back to it and I say, what are you talking about? I don't know. (laughs) Like sometimes I laugh. I'm just like, why are you in my brain? I'm actually, I've come so far. I know I'll get through it and I know what I need to do to actually move through my day. So thank you for trying to scare me, but you're not going to. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. You know? When I when I was really going through my panic disorder, my dad like literally put this like um I I would call it a documentary, I guess, called The Secret on, like literally 24-7 and made me watch it. And anytime I would say like my anxiety or yeah, if I would claim like something I own of the anxiety, he would oh. say, stop saying my anxiety. I love like, that. He did not like me to say like, I have anxiety or like, he was like, you are separate from your, you are, you are a separate thing from anxiety. Yeah. Like he was so big on the words I would use. And I feel like that really, really helped me because it didn't, it's not my identity. It was just a part of me that I, it was a speed bump. I was still going forward, but I wasn't going, I wasn't relapse. Cause I feel like when people are like, Oh, I relapse. They just are like, I'm, it's over. I'm done. Everything I worked on. It's, it's just a waste of time. Yeah. Cause like even right now, like I'm getting treatments for my Achilles. Like I really hurt my Achilles, um, mm-hmm. playing pickleball and, uh, the treatments are helping yesterday. I kind of tweaked it. And last night I was getting so sad. I was like, gosh, dang it. Like all these appointments, I was getting better. Now I tweaked it and I started going down that mindset of like, oh my gosh, I'm probably gonna have to like stop playing and like all these thoughts. And then I was like, no, no, it's just a speed bump. It's a little swollen. We'll go back to our treatments. They already, they already worked and they'll work again. Good for you. And that's what you got to remind that's yourself. Awesome. This yeah. has worked in the past and it will work again. Yep. Good. Love it. Mm-hmm. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Okay. <sighs> Next okay. question. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, so someone did ask tips for traveling and we wanted to just reference, I mean, we've done some amazing episodes on it, so we don't even want to take time on explaining. So travel anxiety episode number eight and then flying episode number 55. I think those two episodes are really good. Yes. Yes. I would say in, in short Definitely just go listen to those episodes, Um, especially the flying one. If you struggle with with anxiety around flying, I'm actually going to start listening to that because I'm flying in June for the first time in like nine years or something. Um, And I've gotten such great feedback feedback about that (laughs) episode, (laughs) about the flying one. Um, So, yeah, definitely do that. 
Okay. And then my other last question was, why do I feel like I'm going to pass out and have to walk out of places like church or the grocery store? And I cannot, I want to start off with, I cannot tell you how many times this has happened to me. And it's not that you're going to pass. It's not that you're about to pass out. It's not that you're lightheaded. It's none of those. It's your nervous system taking in overstimuli from people, things, colors, fluorescent lights. It's the combination of feeling out of control in a situation and with all these stimulations going around you and your body basically releasing that adrenaline or fight or flight. In reality, you're not going to pass out because your blood pressure is raising. When you get that adrenaline and that panic feeling, your blood pressure skyrockets. It doesn't just go down because when you pass out, it's your it's your blood pressure dropping. Mm. So when you're in those situations, and this this used to happen to me all the time, and a doctor once said to me, "But did you pass out?" And every single time, it was like, "No." <laughs> it was like, "No, I, I, wow. I didn't." Wow. Yeah. And you have to. And and so if you're listening to this episode and and you. Uh, often feel that way, say in like crowded stores, or it was always like something like a crowded store, or crowded event, or something. And you just feel this need of, I gotta go, I gotta get out of here, I'm gonna pass out, I gotta go. And you don't wanna cause a scene, and all these thoughts go through your head of like, oh my gosh, if I pass out, everybody's around me, I'm causing a scene. It's all these feelings, because it's funny, the second you leave, that feeling goes away. So when you right. start making a pattern of that, your mind's always gonna do that to you. But if you right. stay, you're showing your mind there's nothing to be afraid of and I'm going to be okay. Yeah. I oh might feel a little uncomfortable getting through this, but every time I run away from these situations, I'm I'm almost like telling my thoughts, you're right. That was dangerous. I'm glad we got out. Every time you run away. Yeah. You're like you're like that that was dangerous. Good oh thing my we gosh. escaped. But in right. reality, if you stayed, probably not going to pass out. And you're probably going to be okay. And you might even enjoy yourself. So it's like, it's one of those things that feels it's one, it's ripping off the bandaid, right? It's going to feel really scary, like not escaping or not walking out because that's what you immediately feel you need to do. You're in that fight or flight. You want to flight out of there. Mm -hmm. Um, But say. Well, that, I mean, this is why there's, there's a whole field specialist of, um, ERP, the exposure and response prevention um, experts. Yeah. Um, oh, geez. Sorry, the fire truck. Um, because they, that's what, that's all they do. They specialize in, and a lot, in a lot of, of exposure and, and any kind of anxieties related to um, people that just are avoidant with certain situations. A lot of them have to do with certain phobias and, um, a lot of that deals with OCD as well. And so, you know, there are specialists for that too, if you feel like it's really, really debilitating. Um, you know, a lot of the, I probably like 30% of the clients that I work with in my practice have a huge, huge fear of driving and going over bridges. And um, a lot of that is comorbid with OCD. So they have a lot of different um, compulsions and rituals that they need to do before they actually get in their car. Um, and they work with such amazing specialists that I have in my area that that actually do the exposure with them um, in their car because you know you kind of most people need a car to like live. Um, so that can just be a great resource for you if you feel like it's really debilitating. That's just my spiel. 
Um, but I love that. Okay. I like that. My and turn. Then, oh, yeah. Sorry, I have one more too. Okay. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Okay. Do you ever have anxiety about feeling sad or negative feelings? How do you cope? So, Taylor and I are just looking at each other like, yes. Um, so it's interesting because when I'm anxious and a lot of times in my, when I'm working with people, either coaching or in my practice, um, I, when anyone says to me, like, I feel anxious, I feel anxious. Yeah. But I was so anxious then. Oh my gosh. Yes. This was, oh my gosh, my anxiety. I just felt so anxious. I didn't know what to do. I always, I always say, okay, stop. I want you to use a feeling word for me and tell me how you felt in those moments. And like, what do you mean? Like anxious. Okay. No, no, no. I'm going to give you a couple feeling words and I want you to actually break down what emotions were happening because anxiety looks so different for everybody in different situations that there might be one situation where I know that my body is really anxious because of all of the clues it tells me with my heart racing and like my stomach, whatever, all this stuff. And many times it's because people are really worried about something, right? The feeling word mm-hmm. is worried there. But a lot of times people also feel really scared or people are feeling really sad about something or people are feeling really lonely. And all of those emotions are connected to their anxiety. And they feel, all they know is that they have this thought in their brain of like, I'm anxious right now. I'm anxious. I'm anxious. But underneath that layer, there's a lot of emotions going on a lot of times. So when someone's feeling sad, they could be experiencing anxiety and there could be a lot of negative feelings around like why it is they're sad. So of course I do feel sad a lot actually when I'm anxious. Um, A lot of that for me specifically ties into a lonely feeling because I you know, I'm grieving still with the loss of my dad and breaking up with my boyfriend, you know, last summer and um, just feeling alone. And that makes me feel sad. And a lot of my anxiety is tied up with that. Um, So what do I do and how do I cope? Well, I mentioned a lot of things earlier today in this episode, Um, but it really does, like I said, healing isn't linear, but I have a toolkit of things, a, a huge healing toolkit that I have of lots and lots of strategies and exercises and people and um, it, it, exercises that I know what to do in order to regulate myself when I'm feeling that way. Sometimes what I need to do is not even go into that toolkit. Sometimes I just need to sit with my loneliness and sit with my sadness. I let myself cry. I maybe listen to some sad songs. I write in my journal and I really just release those emotions and I sit with them and I feel them and I really let myself feel them. And then I don't, I don't stay in it though. I, I break myself out of that. If I feel like I'm sitting in my sadness too long, maybe it's been like a couple hours or something, I literally will say to myself, okay, I'm setting a timer and in a half hour after I'm crying and I'm going to get up and I'm going to take a walk. And actually that's like what helps me. I go outside and I set a timer and I say, by this time I'm getting up and I'm doing something different. Or I'll say, okay, I'm getting up and I'm going to call this person. I'm going to call a friend. Um, So really kind of like activating your, your, the behavior that you do, um, can really be helpful in those moments. If you're feeling very sad and down, 
There is a wonderful type of treatment for depressive disorders called behavioral activation that I've used with um, a lot of different clients. And it really is focused on changing your behaviors in certain moments and really kind of activating the movement in your body because that's what's going to really work on shifting the chemicals in your brain if you move your body. So lots of research on behavioral activation, a lot of research on why, you know, movement and exercise is good for dopamine levels and serotonin levels because it really produces those chemicals. So that's always a good thing. Um, But yeah, I would say definitely try not to stay in the sadness, but definitely sit with it if you need to. And really practice just nurturing yourself in those moments and giving yourself grace. And everyone's toolkit looks different. Everyone's healing looks different. But definitely just give yourself some nurturing at that in those times. What do you Mm -hmm. think? I I agree with everything you said. And kind of going back to when you said like the setting the timer and then doing the activity. So I used to always think it was cliche when people would be like, no, you have to like, there's no such thing as just like, happiness, you have to choose happiness. Every time you feel happy, you're choosing it. And so it's like, you could be so sad, but there is that option to choose happiness in that moment always. Even if it feels so freaking hard, there's a way to choose happiness. So it's almost being intentional about like, I'm going to choose happiness. Everything might be crumbling around me, but I'm going to choose happiness. And so like, even like the other day when I had like four things go wrong, I'm like, what can I do right now that helps me be happy. And it's something that I choose to do to be happy. It's such a, like, I used to be so annoyed when people are like, you have to choose to be happy. And I'm like, it's real. Like you do. Oh yeah. And sometimes it's more about choosing, you know, choosing, making a choice to do something that like brings you joy, right? Like maybe the happiness isn't happening right in that moment, but if you actually change your behavior and you decide to do something that you know might bring you a little bit of joy, maybe it's Mm -hmm. walking around the block or going to see a friend, then maybe that feeling and that mood will change. Again, feelings are temporary. So you could feel happy one minute and then 10 minutes later feel sad again. Feelings are very temporary. But what you have control over is the way that you think about things, the way that you think about your day, the way that you plan and and change your behavior, you have control over that. So mm-hmm. if you want to find more joy, you make decisions based on what will bring you joy. Yeah. And, and um, oh, there was one other thing I wanted to say. I just lost it. But anyway, I, I like that. The, 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 what brings you joy? What was that? What was that show? Of oh, does this bring you joy? Remember Marie Kondo, the organizational woman? Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Girl, I'm 28. Marie Kondo. No, this was like five years ago. <laughs> I'm not telling. I believe me. I know you're younger. No, this was, does this spark joy? You know, this was all over the noise, the, the news. There was a woman who was on Netflix. It was like the number one rated show for a year. And she was an organizational, an organizer. And she would go into people's houses and she would, and it's very psychological, kind of like the show Hoarders. People want their stuff. They're very emotionally attached to it. Yeah. And she would go into people's houses and she would take like, you know, a knickknack and say, does this spark joy for you? And (laughs) that's how she would get rid of all the stuff. (laughs) Anyway, you guys listening know I'm talking about. Okay. Um, Marie Kondo. But yes, I like that. Find find some joy. Oh, I was going to say gratitude. Also gratitude every day, too. Yes. Signing off. Go ahead. (laughs) That's it. 
Um, that's it. Oh, we're done. We're done. We're done. Oh, we answered our questions. Yes. Yay. Okay. Well, thank you guys for submitting everything. We'll have we'll be um, here again first week of May with our Q and A's. Um, please submit anything you want to have answered. We. Um, do ask in our stories a day or two before if anyone has any questions. So follow us at the Anxiety Chicks and the Anxiety Healer and Health underscore Anxiety, and make sure to leave us a review if you can. And um, buy my book, The Anxiety Healer's Guide, for if you want to create your own toolkit. I mean, that's how you can do it. Um, anything else, Taylor? No. Bye, guys. See you next All right. week. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.